Welcome to the DC Beer Show, everybody. I am Jake. We are DC Beer across social media. I hope you all enjoyed Beer Me Radio last week because I did. Welcome, Sarah Jane. We begin with Brandy. What you drinking? Actually, right now I'm drinking the 838, which is an Irish stout, which I'm pretty sure I've already had on the show before, but I'm about to open the cool as a cucumber colch, the cucumber colch from Hellbender. So <laughs> that's about to happen. Cool. Yeah, very yeah, cool. cool. The cool, cool as a cucumber. Yes. With the umlauts. I quickly want to jump in here and just um, shout out to Fabio at Dynasty. That 838 dry Irish style stout. It's so good. It's phenomenal. Um, oh, it's, God. It's, it's one of the best <sighs> beers I've had this year. It's under 5%. I know it's yeah. hot out. It's, no, it's so good, it's, Fabio. It's not even hot please, out. Please make more of it. Please make more of it. Yeah, cheers to Dynasty for this beer because it is cheers. It is fucking phenomenal. Yes, make more. Cheers to <laughs> Fabio Garcia, your favorite brewer's favorite brewer. <laughs> Stein, <laughs> what you drinking? I just heard you crack something. Oh, I'm drinking a lovely Hellas lager called Small Conversations from Blue Jacket. And you know what malt Blue Jacket used? Why they used 100% local malt from Murphy and Rude Malting Company. And if you look on the can, it's a wonderful scenario, a pastoral scene. You'll see the Murphy and Rude brand on the Blue Jacket can. Now, this is a big deal for Blue Jacket. In my tiny lacking research, they've never done 100% Murphy and Rude beer before, which is counter to the beer Brandy's drinking, the, the dry stout. Fabio uses a ton of Murphy and Rude malt. And we're just big Murphy and Rude fans. So Murphy and Rude, if you're listening, I would tell you to send us some malt, but really just come see us and we'll give you some beer. I know you haven't been able to try all the wonderful beer that the DC breweries have been using, but credit where it's due, Murphy and Rude. Y'all are rocking it. Keep cranking out that good barley. Jake, what are you drinking? Mike Stein does not speak for me. As someone who will eat Copper Fox, (laughs) like Wasserman's smoked malt, like popcorn, which I have done at the Hellbender Tap Room when they've released Grampus, <laughs> their smoked nut brown before. Murphy and Rude, you can send me malt. I will eat that shit like popcorn. <laughs> Jake, you are what Charles Dickens would call a malt worm. In the Victorian era, people that love beer and porter were called malt worms. You are a malt worm, my friend. That's your new nickname. I'm the malt worm. It's better Jake than gray the worm. worm. <laughs> That's really going to be your name from now on. I'm, Awful. I'll change my no way stream name. Jake. Everything. Um, I'm going to continue the local grain, local malt. What am I drinking? It's Field Rise from Wheatland Spring. It's made with 100% Virginia grain, which undoubtedly has a portion of Murphy and Rude malt in that. So shout out to Murphy and Rude. Shout out to Field Rise. A lovely IPA. It's got that orange tang thing going on, which means Citra. It's got a whole bunch of other New World hops. And if I were going, what do I detect? I would say Motueka and probably a bunch of other goodies in there too. But we're going to jump into the interview now. One of the cool things about this area is that there are all these new breweries, including ones we've never heard of, that just kind of like pop up. Brandy found herself on a boat, hashtag T-Pain Lonely Island. And so she was out in the bay and found herself at Maryland's Cult Classic Brewing at Kent Island. So it's just across the Bay Bridge. So you can do a nice day trip, get enough liquid courage that you can drive on the Bay Bridge on the way back. And so, hey, she really enjoyed herself there. Why not have him on the show? And so here's an interview that Brandy did with Cult Classic. Take it away. Hey, DC Beer fam, it's Brandy, and I'm pumped to have on our next guest. 
I just so happened to visit Kent Island recently. Yes, I was on a date. And my date recommended a brewery since he knows beer and new breweries make me happy. Yes, it was a good date. I had never been there, let alone had even heard of this brewery. And being one that never says no to a new brewery, I went in with an open mind. And let me tell you, I was not disappointed. We have invited one of the owners, Jesse McNew, on to give our listeners the lowdown on Cole Classic. Hi, Jesse, and welcome to the DC Beer Show. Hi, Brandy. Thanks for having me. Of course. Tell our listeners about your brewery and the story behind it. All right. Well, the story starts a long time ago. My brother, Brooks, and I, we actually have been home brewers since we were teenagers. I can say that now. The uh, statute of limitations is up, I think. (laughs) Um, So we, uh, we actually toyed around with the idea of opening a brewery way back in the 90s. And I think much like D.C., Maryland's brewery laws were a little antiquated back then. You couldn't have a tap room. You couldn't self-distribute. So it was really, really tough to open a small brewery. And that's that's the kind of brewery we could afford to open. We ended up putting that on hold. And we opened a home brewing supply shop that we ended up running for about 20 years. Wow. And then finally, we <laughs> kind of decided, hey, uh, nobody's getting any younger here. We need to go ahead and shift over to that uh, brewery thing we were just talking about 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, we started scouting out locations. We're both based near Annapolis, Maryland. So we looked around the area, and Kent Island was was a great place. The space we could find here was fantastic as far as the size of the building, the, the amount of parking availability off of main roads and things like that. So things that a lot of breweries in in the city dream of, you know, we have, I think, 120 or so parking spaces. (laughs) It's a big parking lot. (laughs) It it is a big parking lot. We also have a side lot that we don't even use for parking. We use for events, which is fantastic. We can do car shows, things like that. So we have have a lot of room to play around with. And yeah, so we opened uh, just about three years ago. This summer will be three years. It's been a heck of a ride. I bet. So you opened it with your brother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He is the head brewmaster. Okay. I wear a lot of hats around here. So right now I am managing the kitchen. Uh, I'm also helping with packaging, canning, kegging every now and then. Uh, if you were here yesterday, I was slinging beers behind the bar. So nice, <laughs> do, yeah. do do a lot around here. Yeah, uh, it was really neat to meet you that night that I was there because it was pretty late. And, you know, it's kind of rare to have the <laughs> owner be at the establishment that late right. in, the, in the evening. <laughs> I'm glad you were there. It was nice to meet you. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, yeah I do have to say, you know, this show is about beer and, you know, breweries and the people behind. But I want to highlight this brewery because, you know, when I mentioned you to my DC beer guys, they're like, what's that? What's cold classic? I've never heard of that. I was like, well, I hadn't either. But I want to tell everybody that's listening, every single beer that I had that night was so incredibly impressive. Like everything you made me try or made me try, like you twisted my <laughs> arm or something. I was like, holy shit, this is so good. And I was so happy that every single beer on the menu wasn't a hazy juice bomb. You know, right. Cold Classic has such a great selection of just really well-brewed beers. And admittedly, I got a bit tipsy after devouring a pints of, of them. But, you know, you were like, oh, try this and try this. And tell the listeners what they should expect when they visit Cold Classic. What kind of beers should they expect sure. to see? Well, we have, as you said, you know, a, a pretty wide range of beers. I wouldn't say that we specialize in anything. We always keep a few IPAs on tap. We always have a sour 
We do lagers. We do ales. About the only thing I think we haven't yet jumped into is barrel aging. Mm. And that is, uh, it's in the works. COVID pushed that back a little bit, but that's in the works. I think one of the main things that helps us out, Brooks and I kind of, we play off of each other really well in the brewery in that I will come up with some wild ideas. He'll take those ideas and polish them. Mm. <laughs> so he's he's a very meticulous brewer. Water chemistry, I have, have to say that we have some terrible water here. <laughs> Being so close to the bay, the water coming up out of the ground, and we are on a well, is not so great. The benefit to that is that we get to filter everything out of the water and start with a clean slate. So mm. every beer we make, we build the water profile mm. uh, for that particular style. If you saw Brooks's notes, they would bore you to death. Um, <laughs> you know, pH numbers all over the place. And, and I mean, uh, it might bore me, but it probably wouldn't bore a lot of beer nerds <laughs> out there, I guarantee you. <laughs> right, right. Actually, so, that's funny because yeah. I was going to ask you, between the two of you, you know, who pushes the beer ideas? But I guess it's a collab. It, it is. It is. <laughs> I, I, I like to think that I'm one of the people that come up with the ideas and, you know, Brooks makes them happen. It's a good collaboration. Sometimes we have to push him a little bit when we have something that he doesn't. Uh, things like coffee beers are not oh, his favorite which thing. Which I like. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes we have to uh, do what other people kick, like. Kick him around a little bit. Yeah. You know, he'll he'll make a coffee beer and it'll be fantastic because he does them all so well. You might not catch him drinking it, but he'll uh, he will make a fantastic one. <laughs> yeah. What's your biggest seller? That's a, a funny thing. It's not the beer we thought would be our bestseller. It's our strawberry blonde. Really? Yeah. And um, we thought it was going to be a summer seasonal when we first opened. And then people just demanded it. And we had to bring it back and just do it all year. It's just kind of interesting. I I remember one of the first months we were open and I was behind the bar. And it was just, it was early in the day at one end of the bar. We had three guys that looked like they probably rode in on Harleys, you know, work clothes, big beards, big burly guys. And all three of them were drinking Strawberry Blonde. Oh, that's and so great. And at the other end of the bar were three old ladies. And I mean, white-haired, little old ladies. Uh-huh. And the three of them were drinking Stouts and Porters. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was just the funniest thing. But sometimes you think, well, the fruit beers, it's going to be a tough sell for guys. And it's not. It really isn't. I mean, we have to stop putting genders on right. drinks. You know, like my date that night, when we right before we came to you, we went to a seafood place. And he ordered, as most people would say, frou-frou drinks, like sweet daiquiris <laughs> with bananas right. sticking out of them. And I was drinking like beer out of a can. And when the server brought it to us, they handed me the, you know, sweet fruity beer. <laughs> and I was like, nope, it's his. <laughs> so, right. you know, that's funny. We, we have to stop with, you know, because I love Negronis and I like drinking whiskey and, you know, so that goes for beer too. It does. It definitely does. Sometimes you don't expect it, but then, uh, you know, we put that beer out there and, and it just, it's almost universally popular. People that say they don't like fruit beers will drink it. People that say they don't like microbrew beers will drink it. People who sit and drink IPAs all day long will drink it. I don't know what it is about that beer, but uh, it's, just good. But it's up there. Yeah, it, it just is. Next to that, it's usually the uh, IPA when the earth stood still, which is our uh, sort of New England style IPA. 
we catch a little bit of flack for it not being hazy enough. Oh, but Jesus. <laughs> sometimes we go back there and shake the kegs, you know. Uh, it, it will it will settle out. But that has been a staple around here also. That recipe goes way, way back to my home brewing days and then it's been tweaked along the way. It's a mosaic heavy heavy whirlpool hopped, heavy uh, dry hopped. It's a, it's a fun one to make. That one was phenomenal i think i bought oh, two you. six packs of that because yeah. uh, that's the one that was in the cans right right yeah, yeah yeah i bought i bought those and i also carried home two crowlers of the lager <laughs> oh yeah so yeah. good and you know i did well i love lager i never one likes lagers but it's lager season really if you think about it but mike stein our awesome beer historian on the show he calls it old man drinking but he's a lager guy 100 percent, and so you know, I knew we had another beer share coming up because we do beer shares. And I was like, well, let me snag some of these crowlers so I can impress the guys with this beer. It was really, really, really good. So kudos on that. I noticed on your website, you guys really talk about lagers and German style beers. Is that something that your brother Brooks likes to make? Yes, for sure. And that's been for a long time. Back to the home brewing days, that was one of the first things he got into was brewing lagers with where you, you need special temperature control and things like that. So he, he's been honing his lager skills for quite a while. I'm a big fan myself of a lot of the German and Czech lagers. You know, went to uh, the Pilsner Urkel Brewery on my honeymoon. So <laughs> it's uh, definitely a favorite. I love the style. You know, it's simple, but it just takes a lot of work to bring it into balance. So there's nothing there to hide what you're doing. It's a little easier with a big IPA, throw a lot of malt at it, throw a lot mm-hmm. of hops at it, and you can make some mistakes and still have a good beer. Yeah. Uh, loggers don't hide mistakes. Nope. <laughs> you have to yeah. you have to be a little more <laughs> meticulous with those. Yeah. Yeah. Um I want everyone to learn about the actual brewery like cuz when I walked in, you're just kind of bombarded by just the the view. I mean, it's a large, very large space behind the bar, lots of glass, you can see the brew equipment in the back. You have big screens up. Your theme, you know, it's a cinematic theme. Tell everybody about that. I think it's really cool. Sure. Well, it is a big building. The building used to be a grocery store. So it's not as big as a modern grocery store would be. I think it's about 24,000 square feet. It's kind of funny because our brew house is actually fairly small. It's a 10-barrel brew house. So it's a a small brewery in a big building. (laughs) But uh, we have a great big tap room. We have a big performance room where we do a lot of live music, but three or four days a week. One of the nice things about the brewery is it gives us enough room to spread out, get the equipment we want, store enough cans and ingredients and things like that, that we're not always hurting for shipments to come in. And again, it's it's something I, when, when I'm saying this, I can just feel all the other brewers out there shaking their fist at me. <laughs> <laughs> it is but, a big uh, space, yeah. It, it's, it's a big space. We have plenty of room to expand put in more fermentation tanks and things like that. But yeah, when when we started the project, it wasn't our intention to be that big. It kind of snowballed. We were looking for a place less than half the size. We saw this space and kind of dismissed it at first. We said, no, that's too big, way too big for what we want. And then, you know, you start thinking, well, you know, instead of having 
little acoustic act in the corner of the tap room, we could have a stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, a homeroom shop if you want. A homeroom <laughs> shop. <laughs> yeah. Bringing it back to your old days. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, we, we have evolved from our initial vision of little brewery, little tap room. Now, we're little brewery, big tap room. Um, I was going to say, you still have that small brewery vibe. Um, right. Right. Um, what about the events that you do there? You know, like get let's get people out to Colt Classic. Yeah. Oh yeah, we do all kinds of stuff. We have a farmers market every week on Thursdays. We have our open mic every Tuesday. You say open mic, people start shaking their heads. You know, this isn't karaoke. It's actually kind of if there's anything bad about our open mic, it's that it actually intimidates a lot of people. A lot of the artists that come in, people come in to see it and they go, oh, "Okay, I'm not going to get up on stage now." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I encourage people to come out and check out the open mic. It's it's amazing. We have a lot of amazing talent here. We are right down the road from uh, the PRS Guitar Factory. So we have a lot of people come in from there. We've had Paul Reed Smith himself on our stage, the Annapolis area, and all the way over to Easton, Cambridge. It's just amazing. A lot of talent here. And pretty soon we'll get back to having touring acts in here. It's a neat area because you can have a band that you might be used to seeing at the 930 Club or somewhere like that. But maybe their next show is in you know Philly or New York. And during the week, they're just hanging around. Well, they'll come over and play a show and it's much more intimate. And then, you know, then you can hang out with them in the tap room. (laughs) So it's, it's really been a lot of fun with that. We do a lot of other events. Like I said, car shows, we have one coming up on father's day. We'll have music outside during that. Mm. What, Um, What day is that just for everybody? What day is that? that oh, never mind. I put next... you on the spot. <laughs> is that, is that we'll we'll just have everybody follow you on social media and check out your website stuff. But yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Didn't mean I'm to call you out. <laughs> and with that big screen. Yes. So I remember that. I mean, the, the screen was ginormous. So it's a great, especially with the summer coming up and mask restrictions being lifted and people can come in and cool off and I'm assuming you have movie nights and, right? We do. We do. We have, actually, we have two screens. So we have the big one in the tap room, and we're always running something on that. It's usually just whatever happens to be on. Uh, So we uh, focus on kind of what you might consider cult classic movies. Mm -hmm. So you may come in and, you know, you may see Goonies playing up there or, uh, you know, something like that. We also have a larger screen that's behind the stage. And we will do a lot of our big movie events in there. So we've had things like we showed Army of Darkness in there. One of the guys who actually, if, if anybody's a fan of the Army uh, Army of Darkness and Evil Dead movies, everybody knows the chainsaw from those movies. The guy who made the chainsaws for the movies doesn't live far from here. And he came in and he brought the chainsaws in. So everybody got to, you know, slip them on their hand and That's kind play of around with them. Um, yeah. We try to do it up. Right in there when we have our when we have our big movie nights. Yeah. Awesome. And how do people get your beer? Do they have to come to the tap room? Are you are you distributed anywhere? Are you we are starting to distribute. Awesome. So uh, we we actually got our canning line a month after the COVID shutdown, and that also kind of shut down distribution for a little while. So we have been distributing over here on the eastern shore for about five or six months now. And we are just getting set up with a distributor who covers the entire state of Maryland. 
Okay. I believe they handle DC as well. Oh, good. Good. And so as far as the timing of that rollout, it's going to be, we're going to have to work with them, figure out which markets, you know, we can't just hit the whole state. Right. <laughs> We'd be out of here real quick. So we're working on a rollout there that'll cover the state as well as DC. That should start up in, I hope, about a month. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Well, I mean, I want to come back and see you. So hopefully I'll get invited right. back out to my date again. Uh, no. Sure. <laughs> um, Jesse, thanks for being on. Is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with before we bid you farewell? The main thing I want to say is check out our website. It's cultclassicbrewing.com. And our new website is about to hit any day now. They're just finishing that up. But uh, we have lots and lots of events happening, lots of live music. And that is the place to go to uh, keep up to date on all of that. Awesome. And social media? We are very active on Facebook and Instagram. So Cult Classic Brewing on uh, both of those as well. Awesome. Jesse, thank you so much for being on. And for those of you who are traveling over the Bay Bridge, (laughs) heading to the beach, or just out for a beer adventure, definitely, definitely check out Cult Classic. It gets Brandy's seal of approval. So, (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Cheers. Cheers, Jesse. And we're back. Also back. Beer bars. But there's a catch. In terms of draft beer, there are fewer or less options because people pivoted to package. So bottles and cans, clap your hands. Smoke and Barrel from Johnny Andrade. They used to have like 20-something drafts. They're going to be down to eight. They're now just the basement in Adams Morgan, what used to be Asylum. But 50-something bottles and cans. They've got a new chef. Shout out to Logan McGeer, who used to helm there. Now we've got Chef Dan and this new beer person who we don't know, Jay Sconerman, is over at Star Hill in Virginia. So Smoke and Barrel, coming soon. The Sovereign, also coming soon. They've got 50 lines. They're going to start out with about 20, and then they're going to ramp it up as the overseas kegs, which are delayed for obvious reasons, can get here. But we've reached out to Molly, who runs the socials and PR for the Sovereign and Neighborhood Restaurant Group. They're going to have to start... Cantillon Creek, Tiloquin Muir, and Jester King Spawn with Muscat Grapes. So a lot of the heavy hitters, Walesboro, Lambics and such coming on. They'll also have um, like La Vermentois and Durant Double X. <laughs> heavy, heavy hitters, hitters. This is a throwback to Hot 97. If you listen to rap radio in New York City in the 90s, you will get that reference. I miss Mr. Magic. <laughs> Mr. Magic, Mr. C. Marley Marl, shout them, shout them all out. So wait, Jake, are you are you trying to tell me there's more than just crazy, super cool draft sales of fantastic Belgian ales that are coming to the Sovereign? It's not just draft beer that I can look forward to? What what else should I be expecting? So during the pandemic, we're like, we've all been like, hey, did you know that if with a food purchase, you could buy alcohol from these fine restaurants? The Sovereign is going to be selling bottles and cans to go with food purchases. And there's going to be some very rare Lambics in the mix there. You should look for that. Um, But you should also just buy buy Terrace Bulba and drink a bunch of that because it's a fly beer. Just buy Terrace Bulba. I haven't had a Lambic in a long time. I feel – I'm missing out, It has been a minute since I have had like a proper Belgian sour. This is – yeah. This is quite Man, nice. You gotta have like lambic hour. 
I'll bring some stanky ass cheese. We'll, we'll, I need to. We'll, yes. We'll bring some stanky ass lambic. It'll be great. Oh, we'll get some Jordan um, back, like black label. That's still like that. It's mm. in like a five liter bag, like boxed wine. Don't, well, don't you know, the my birthday is coming up, so oh. uh, it might have to happen July 3rd, oh, Brandy yeah. Lambic Day. <laughs> I love it's it. It's close Maybe. enough to Belgian Independence Day that it might work. Ooh. That's true. <laughs> wow, I'm liking, the, I'm liking the thematics here. Yes. Um, so, yeah, this is one thing that we were told may continue. Obviously, we're not post-pandemic, but... With what seems like the pandemic waning with vaccinations on the rise, we might see bottles, cans to go. Shout out to Sarah Jane Curran and Beer Me Radio. When she had Katie Marisic on, Katie was like, we'll see if, you know, everybody pivoted, talking about mid-pandemic, to sell beer to go. Well, how much of that beer to go is going to stay as we get into July, August, September, October? Will it be gone in November? Gone in November? Gone in November. <laughs> I've got packs to move. <laughs> Mike Stein. Oh, my God. The I thing is, he doesn't so even know much. that the, the gone in November he, works both ways because the D.C. laws about to-go sales are up in November. Tell your council members. Tell your council members you want those laws. Keep them on the yeah. book. All right. So there's a third reopening, and that is uh, the brew pub, the public option in Northeast D.C., closer to where I live, they are going to reopen as well. They were going to reopen on June 25th, which is the day this podcast drops on the dcbeer.com website. But surprise, surprise, is there ANC nonsense? You know there's ANC nonsense. Mike Stein, can you briefly let these people know, get them familiar with ANCs? No comment. I cannot comment. Okay, so (laughs) for a primer, for all of our wonderful audience members who don't live in D.C., ANC stands for Ancillary Neighborhood Commission. Advisory Neighborhood Council, pardon me. (laughs) Advisory Neighborhood Council means you have the right in democracy, as you do, to elect the officials you want. So you vote for them, they run, and then once they are elected, they see the business of your neighborhood. They typically have, you know, different committees uh, supporting different aspects of them. You know, the alcohol committee, for example, would oversee what a business like the public option has the option to do. Do they have a sidewalk endorsement? If they have a sidewalk or slash summer garden endorsement, they can have outdoor seating on the sidewalk in front of their restaurant. And obviously, a lot has changed with restaurants in the last 16 months. But the point being that there may be some barriers to the public option opening the way they wish to that would be inhibited, prohibited, or restricted via the ANC. Does that about sum it up there, Jake? Yeah, I think that sounds pretty, pretty good. And so what we know from the public option right now is that three days after the ANC delivers a signed agreement signed by Bill over at the public option and the ANC to ABRA three days after that, that's when they can open. It's not going to be three days from now, recording on the 22nd, so it won't be the 25th. Maybe it'll be the 27th, the 28th. Maybe it'll be the weekend of July 4th. But we hope to see them back soon because they're going to open up with a cream ale. And if you know the three of us on this podcast, you know that we'd love us some cream ales. Mm-hmm. We do. All right. So, Brandy. <laughs> yes, Jake. I shouted out Wheatland Spring earlier. You were at Wheatland Spring for their 
field day, third anniversary festival party thing. Tell us a little bit about it. I was, and it was phenomenal. Before I start talking about my great time at Wheatland Spring, I'm going to crack open this adroit theory, thrash metal, which did you know that adroit theory is probably about 11 minute drive to Wheatland Springs. So there's even more of a reason to head out that way. I know it's a bit of a drive for everybody, but it's worth it. This is going to be an all Loudoun, all Jefferson County, Purcellville affair. It is really, I mean, if you go out there, you might as well go all out. So shout out to Droid Theory. I haven't been there in a long time, but really, really young. So I went to Wheatland Springs for their anniversary. And I had met Katie before. I ran into her at Hellbender, super nice. And I've had their beer before at Beer Shares. And we've all been blown away by Wheatland Spring. We're all excited about them. So I decided to go out and make a weekend of it, or not a weekend, but a day of it. And let me tell you, the space was breathtaking. You parked and you walked down. You're like, oh man, I'm going to spend a long time here. Because it was their anniversary, everyone came out and supported them. A lot of beer industry people. We had folks from Astrolab. We had folks from Patent. We had, we. I mean, like so many people were there. It was so great. And not to mention the beer was phenomenal. <laughs> they had some special pours for the day, special drafts for the day. They were doing tours. And I mean, they they really crushed it. I met John and Bonnie, the owners. And John gave me a really cool tour around the farm. And this over 100-year-old bar, I was so, it was so pretty. And I, I actually wanted to have my birthday there, but it's quite a bit of a hike out there. But shout out to Wheatland Springs. If any of you are interested in going out there, it trust me, from DC, yes, it's a little bit of a hike, but make a, make a day out of it. Stay out there, find an Airbnb or a bed and breakfast or something. And, and actually, Wheatland Springs has a little place on their property that you could rent, which is really cool. But uh, yeah, check out Wheatland Springs, go visit Catoctin Creek, go to Adroit Theory. But yeah, it was it was well worth the, the mileage out there. Shout out to Wheatland Springs and happy anniversary. <laughs> Shout out to the barley in the Wheatland Springs fields. Oh God, so pretty. <laughs> You got to yeah. you got to go experience the barley, Brandy. I won't make it. They'll be harvested. They'll be turned into malt. I missed my took barley. The photos. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness you took photos. all of the photos. Yeah, you, can go, you can go go out there. There's a whole scene popping up there. We've already mentioned Wheatland Spring and Adroit Theory. Dirt Farm is not too far away. They've got beer in cans now. One family hopes to open up up there too just further up the road driving up 15 or us 340 i was at harper's ferry brewing this weekend Ooh, how was that what's going on uh, at harper's that, was ferry? You. that was me uh, over at harper's ferry because i was camping this weekend because as i do on father's day good times Harper's Ferry Brewing has just tremendous views. It's in Virginia. It's in what's nominally still Purcellville, but it's actually like unincorporated Jefferson County, I think. It's right at the confluence of the Potomac and the Shenandoah. It's got the best views of any brewery in the area. And they got a 4.8% hazy pale with local wheat and a whole lot of citra. And we just drank that and drank that and ate nachos and had lots of people's dogs, got rained on. <laughs> a good time was had by all. Hey, but if you want to have a good time, 
Brandy, what's coming up next month? That's a great question. Other than my birthday. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and Belgian Independence Day. Yes. <laughs> so MoCo, so Montgomery County, so they're having a Maryland Beer Wine and Beer Festival. And it's not just beer. So if you are listening to this or if you are a beer person and your friend or other human that you hang out with or your significant other, they don't like beer. They're also going to have wine and local spirits. So I will be going. Hopefully Jake will go. Greg's going to go. So hopefully we'll DC Beer will make an appearance. Some of the representing breweries that will be hanging out. Astrolab, Evolution, Guinness will actually be there, which is kind of cool. Silver Branch, Smoketown, True Respite, Mordaka. And then, so Distillery Lane Cider Works, which, I mean, representing the cider aspect, only one person, but they have been making cider for quite a while. They are really great humans, and they actually grow other fruit and vegetables for local distilleries and breweries and what have you to to use. I know at the distillery I used to work at, we used to get some of their stuff at like slowberries and, you know. So anyway, so shout out to Distillery Lane. And then the distilleries. I want to say I'm excited that Lion Rum, aka Wyndon Distillery, is going to be representing and McClintock and Tenth Ward. And man, I'm actually really excited about going to this. So check it out. It's going to be on July 11th, which is a Sunday. So plan plan your day accordingly. It's like from 12 to 4. So I think that's what like the biggest kind of event that we have coming up. And then Albemarle Cider is having their 12th anniversary the following weekend, which I will be at. So um, if you guys are looking for fun, beautiful outdoor events that have booze, you know, check out the the beer festival and the Albemarle Cider Cider Place. So yeah. What are you guys going to do next month, July? What are we going to do? It's hot lager summer. Hey. hey. Hot lager, <laughs> cold lambic oh, summer. Lambic. Yes, that sounds so good. So yes, please stay tuned for more of us. We're going to report the DC beer scene. Check us out on the socials. If you're Instagramming your beer, you can tag us at DC beer. Listen to beer, beer radio. Please get vaccinated if, if you haven't. A bunch of places are still going to give you free pizza, free beer, free this, free that. Drink outside, tip big. Be excellent to each other. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Next week, you get Sarah Jane and Beer Me Radio back. All right. Yay. Good night, everybody. Adios, amigos. Get (laughs) back.